Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I am so grateful to you that you're part of the Bible and Life family and that you're joining me on the show on this particular episode. Got a special episode planned for today. Got a special guest on the show. We don't typically have guests, but it really seemed fitting for the current series we're in to invite uh, this friend of mine, Brad Gray, to be on the show. But before we jump into that interview, I just wanted to give this word of encouragement to you. In the midst of all the disruption and all the frustration and all the confusion that the coronavirus has caused at this present time, I wanted to encourage you maybe to take some time, open up your Bible to Psalm 131, and just sit and prayerfully read through Psalm 131. It's been encouraging to me. I think it might be encouraging to you. It uses this beautiful image of a child who is completely at peace and at rest, all nestled in on its mother's chest um, and completely contented. And then it calls God's people to put their hope in God. And I just think that's a beautiful picture. There's a lot we don't understand. There's a lot we don't know about the future. There's frustrations about the present. There's questions we want to get answered and we just don't understand it all. And yet in the midst of that, Psalm 131 says, put your hope in the Lord. Rest in him like a weaned child nestled contentedly and at peace on uh, his or her mother's chest. And so just just settle your soul down. Be still before the Lord. Know that he's in charge. He's got this and put your hope in the Lord. So I wanted to offer that word of encouragement to you today as we begin, just because this current season of life we're in with the coronavirus has brought so much uncertainty, so much angst, so much disruption, and for some people, so much suffering and heartache. So Trust in the Lord. Be still before him. He's got you and he's got this. Also, come if you're stuck at home and you've got more time on your hands and you're looking for some additional resources, in addition to the podcast, I've got some online courses on my website at johnwhitaker.net that might be a great way to uh, spend some of your days right now while you're quarantined at home, stuck at home, um, self-isolating at home, whatever phrase we want to use for that, and you got a little more time and you're tired of binging on Hulu or Netflix, I've got some online courses on there that'll help you grow in your faith, grow in your walk with God, learn how to follow Jesus. So you can check those out at johnwhitaker.net slash courses. I'll have the link to that down in the notes below. All right, on this episode, I have invited a friend of mine by the name of Brad Gray to come onto the show. Brad is the creator at walkingthetext.com, walkingthetext.com. And the whole heart of that ministry is to help uh, people like you and me uh, learn, love, and live the Bible. And in a very real sense, it's very um, very much similar to the heart of what we're trying to do here on the Bible and Life podcast. And so Brad and I have connected over the last year, gotten to know each other just a little bit. And um, in view of the questions that we've been wrestling with in the current series and how we are seeking to address some of the, the frustrations, confusions, and difficulties we have with the Bible, I thought Brad would be a great resource to just help us think about uh, the original context and what it looks like to read the Bible in the original context and how that helps maybe clear up some of our confusions or our frustrations, how that helps bring the Bible to life for us and make it three-dimensional. And so super excited to have Brad on the show today. And this is part one of two. And on this part, Brad is going to really talk about the power of the original context and 
give some examples of how that affects our understanding of the text so that we can read the Bible better and really understand what it's all about. So take a listen to Brad and I discuss the power of the original context. Well, Brad, thanks for joining me on the Bible and Life podcast. I'm so glad you're taking your time to be on the show with me. And most of my listeners, there's probably a few that maybe have listened to some of your uh, YouTube videos or your even your podcast version of that, but a lot of them probably don't know you. So why don't you take a second and just introduce yourself to my my listeners here? Yeah, well, John, thanks so much for having me on the show. So yeah, I get the joy of living in Nashville, Tennessee. Been here now for a few years. Originally from West Michigan, um, and I've got four kids: so twelve, ten, eight, and five. Three boys and a girl, which is fantastic. So for me, um, home life is a is a foundational piece to anything and everything that I do. So uh, my wife Shallon and I have been married now for uh, sixteen years, and it's a great joy to just be able to have a family and be able to um, just have that facet of of recognizing that you know your kids teach you more than than most anybody else and challenge you and push you and all of that so yeah so that is as far as like a family life home life and all of that and then um uh just over uh, two years ago i started a uh, crowdfunded nonprofit organization called walking the text out of uh, the ministry work that i've been doing so i've been teaching the bible for uh, more than 15 years now as a teaching pastor for more than a decade and uh, when God moved us to the Nashville area, uh, we just kind of sat back and said, okay, uh, God's moved us here, and, and what are we going to be jumping into? And so walking the text, formalized two years ago, it was basically everything that I do from a uh, faith-based perspective that is under uh, one umbrella. So right now, there are kind of three main facets to walking the text. I get to lead these two-week uh, biblical study hiking trips to Israel and Turkey. And um, just getting into my 11th year of actually doing that. And then uh, secondly, we have uh, twice a month, we send out a uh, roughly a 20-minute teaching on the Bible that is uh, both available as a video as well as a podcast. Um, and then kind of the third facet of what we do is I get the great privilege and joy of speaking at churches and conferences and ultimately what we do as an organization, what we're kind of centering ourselves around is helping people understand the Bible in its original context. So in my 15 years of teaching the Bible and um, growing up in the church, you know, everybody knows that in any facet of life, context is everything. And yet the vast majority of people have never been taught how to think about context related to the Bible. And so we just saw that as a massive need. So many people struggle to understand what the Bible is saying. Um, For some, it's just difficult. It's frustrating. Maybe for others, they feel like the Bible is old and irrelevant and outdated. And when you set the Bible, when you set the text in its ancient context, uh, it is as relevant as it it is today as it was, you know, two, three thousand years ago. So we're just trying to help create resources for people to learn, love and live out the Bible every day by understanding its original context. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure your, your travels to Israel and all that just kind of help. I mean, they put flesh on the bones, bring it to life, make it three-dimensional so that you're able to use a lot of that even in your teaching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, getting, getting the joy of, you know, whenever I teach, I, I love to be uh, very visual. Hence, we do the, the video teaching 
so that we can show video clips of the land, we can show pictures, um, but nothing beats standing in the location and being able to say to your group, it's right here, yeah. <laughs> you know, here's, yeah. here's, here's where the story took place. And now let's, let's unpack the story where it actually unfolded. And yeah, it's a great, it's a great joy to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, with that emphasis on teaching the Bible in the original context, it, I mean, just the impact of that you have like maybe an example or two of like, here's the impact of what really understanding the Bible in its original context. Yeah. I mean, even, um, even look at something like uh, the life of Jesus and just how you've got Matthew and Luke who are tackling birth narratives, you know, connected to, to Jesus and just even what they're both focusing and emphasizing, you know, so for example, for Luke uh, to start off and to say um, in the days of Caesar Augustus, that's all he says. And to anybody in the first century world, um, that would be the equivalent for us hearing uh, in the days of Pearl Harbor, in the days of the Holocaust, in the days of 9-11, in the days of you know, Donald Trump. Regardless of what you think about those, we all hear Pearl Harbor, Holocaust, 9-11, Trump. We don't, there's no other context that we need to be given because we understand how um, electric, how explosive, um, how tension-filled that phrase is. And to anybody in the first century, to hear the name Caesar Augustus would have triggered the same response. And Luke is not writing going, you know, 2,000 years later, uh, a guy by the name of Brad and John are going to be talking about my work on a, on a podcast, you know? Right. So they're writing to their audience, assuming that their audience knows what they know, lives in the world that they live in. And to anybody who knows anything about the Roman Empire, hearing the word Caesar Augustus would have triggered, oh, you know, Caesar Augustus started ruling in 27 BC. Um, he's on the throne for ha nearly half of Jesus's life and uh, more than half of Jesus's life. And in the Roman context, in the Roman world, Caesar Augustus, long before Jesus shows up on the scene, is being touted as a divine son of God who has been made king in order to bring peace and prosperity to the entire world He's got a good news. It's the word euangelion, the exact same word that the gospels use to talk about Jesus. And even poets talk about that this is coming through the remission of sins. And so to talk about a divine son of God who comes to bring a gospel of peace and prosperity for all of humanity through the remission of sins, however they understood that, it's in their literature Caesar Augustus is ruling the world. And it's at that moment that God goes, yeah, now is the time for Jesus to be birthed onto the scene. And to be able for Luke to say, in the days of Caesar Augustus, you are immediately thrown into a clash of cultures, a clash of kingdoms. Rome functions one way, they're ruling the world. And Jesus is on the scene to bring an entirely different approach to kingdom upside down kingdom, clash it with Rome that's going to allow him 
more eventually lead him to a cross where he is executed on a Roman torture symbol. Um, and all Luke has to do is say in the days of Caesar Augustus. And it triggers all of that for everybody. It's all there. It's right. all there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, when I was teaching at the Bible college, one of the things I always told, particularly my Acts class, because so much history in the book of Acts is my goal in going through the book of Acts is to make make this three-dimensional for you, for the world of the Bible to come to life and for it to pop off the page. And you realize these are real people with real hopes and fears and expectations and real struggles and difficulties. And so often, I think a a casual reading, a just popular level casual reading of the Bible, we miss that in the Bible, just as words on paper. And we're hoping in some way applies to our life, but we don't have the whole context. We don't have the whole story, you know? Right. Right. Yep. And part of what we have to be reminded, too, is that when the writers actually wrote what they wrote, they didn't want to fill up space with what everybody already knew. You know, they had limited space. They didn't have a digital, you know, processor where they could write 50,000 words and, you know, format it however they wanted. They were limited you know, by the the scrolls, the parchments that they're working with. And so whatever they're recording, it's supposed to shock the audience. It's supposed to challenge the audience. It's supposed to make them pause and wrestle with it because all of the stuff that they already knew, they're not going to waste time putting on. They're going to put on those things that are going to force them to go, oh, well, that's yeah. unexpected. What's the, what are the implications of that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about like maybe even Bible difficulties or Bible confusions? How does the original context maybe clear up some of that stuff? Yeah. Well, if you begin to understand, um, you know, just some of the, the, the basic facets of context. So take, for example, um, a passage like, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, Philippians 4.13, people's life verses. Um, you know, it's used if people want to, uh, you know, win the championship, uh, get a million dollars, overcome cancer. Uh, they're going through a difficulty and it's like, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and for, for many people, they get into those experiences and things don't turn out the way that they thought they would or what they believed God would do. And they go, but God made a promise like, and I'm not experiencing that. And it creates this dissonance. It, t- it creates this frustration. And when you look at that, um, the context for Philippians 4 is, is actually relatively simple. Uh, you got to read the four previous verses, and you just have to know that Paul's in prison. And just those two pieces together, you read that and you go, Paul is talking about contentment despite whatever circumstances he's going through. Um, whether he has plenty or whether he is in want, whether he is naked and beat up on the side of the road or he's sitting in a wealthy you know, home enjoying a lavish meal, he is saying, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And that is that when he is living out God's will and God's way in his life, whether he's experiencing the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, he can get through it because Jesus is his strength. Yeah. And he's in prison writing this, you know? And so um, oftentimes what I have found for people is that, you know, when, when they open up the Bible, um, they want immediate results. We're an immediate culture. Everything is instant, instant coffee, instant weather report, Instagram. We are instant in everything. 
And yet, and so what that drives us to do is that when we open up the Bible, um, the first question that we're often asking our, you know, asking is, well, what does this mean for me? Rather than first asking the question, what did it mean for them then? Right, right. And because we try to rush in to get this like spiritual kick in order to then, you know, run off to the rest of our day, we fail to recognize why it was even written in the first place, which means then our interpretive method is to come to the Bible through our 21st century Western lens. And whatever religious experiences we've had in our lifetime is what we're looking at the Bible through. Rather than asking the Bible, why were you, you know, why were you even given in the first place? Why was this written? What did it mean for them then? And when you can just fill in just some of those gaps, the understanding then for okay, this is what this can mean for me, is, is you ask better questions, there are deeper implications, it's more uh, of a faithful understanding of what the Bible is trying to say, and you don't start trying to build your theology on what you think are promises when in fact it might be something that's very different. Yeah. And yeah. so just for people just to sit back and you just even say, okay, um, you know, have you ever been quoted out of context? We all have. Nobody likes that, right? Because yeah. you're always like, no, 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 but you missed this. You didn't include that. And so often I think the Bible is going, exactly. And can exactly. you imagine sitting down with Peter or Paul or John on the new earth? And it's like, but Pat, you've totally right. misrepresented what I was trying to say. You took me totally out of context. I mean, exactly. Uncomfortable, awkward moment there with one of the apostles, you know, we wouldn't yeah. want that. So. Yeah. And, and it just goes to for, you know, and that's for some people who are find the Bible just difficult or frustrating to read because they just don't, you know, they don't understand. Um, but also, this is a, a big conversation for people who want to talk about the irrelevancy of the Bible or it's old, archaic, it's outdated. Um, when you set it in its context and you realize at that point in human history how God was moving, and I mean, it is revolutionary. The entire Bible from beginning to end is pushing the envelope. It is revolutionary. It is explosive. Um, it's redemptive. It's challenging the cultures of the day. It's responding to what was happening for real people in a real place in a real time. And the more that we're able to understand what that world was like, the more we'll be able to understand what is actually being said in scripture and how it connects for us in our lives today. Yeah. But that's a whole lot more work than just sitting down and reading in five minutes and getting your spiritual kick and, you know, and ready to go. I mean, that's a whole lot more work. And it is, it is. But here's what I've found is that, you know, when it comes to people reading the Bible and getting into it, you know, one of the things that, that, that I love to, to remind people of is this is not about sitting down for two hours or three hours or four hours. Um, it is about, uh, consistency. It is about getting in. It's about learning some key pieces to how the Bible is operating, handles, um, foundation pieces, signposts for you, so that when you get down to reading, um, you're able to pick up on things and you're able to see, oh, that's that's what's being played out there. And you know, there's a, a lot of really great resources out there, and that's one of the things too that I don't feel like that there has been 
um, a more exciting time in human history to teach the Bible than today. I mean, we have more resources. We know more from, <coughs> excuse me, archaeology, um, Dead Sea Scrolls, um, just what we know from, you know, um, literary evidence and so many accessible resources have been created that anybody can read. I mean, anybody who's listening to this right now can pick up, you know, tons of resources that have been created even in the last 10 years, 15 years, that provides that context, that gives that history or gives that cultural background or gives this connection to the Egyptian world or to the Roman world that the writers are interacting with so that you can read it in a way where you go, oh, oh yeah, that makes total sense why, you know, Paul would write that or why Luke would include Jesus's teaching, you know, about that or, um, and that's part of what makes it fun is that it is, it is additional work, but what I have found when people who, whether they've been, uh, you know, familiar with the Bible, uh, been a part of the church for a long time or or just checking it out is that when you see the text in context your soul begins to soar you see things that you go of course and it creates this uh, adventurous feel within you to go man when i open up the bible the last thing i wanted to do is ever feel like a chore um, i want to open up the bible and i want to go on an adventure i want to understand what is going on and i want to see how does this apply to my life and as i apply it and experience the transformational power of the holy spirit working through me it just gets you it drives you encourages you compels you to get back into god's word on a regular basis to see what more you can find uh, yeah. that will change your life yeah and you know what i mean i, I thinking of the center for bible engagement are you familiar with the center for bible engagement no i am not yeah you know what actually no i am i have heard about them yeah the center for bible engagement very interesting they uh the first they their first major study is about eight years ago 2012 but what they discovered was if a person engages with the text of the bible either in like a small group or a sermon or on their own one day a week no measurable effect on their life two days a week no measurable effect three days a week little blip but four yep. days a week or more, um, a massive change in their life. That uh, you know they've, uh, how are those you know surveys and all those work? They've statistically just shown like people that engage with the Bible four days a week, massive drop in anger issues, loneliness, depression, and other you know pornography use, all these things four days a week, which is more often than not, which makes sense. Right. Like, I've been advocating that for twenty years without the benefit of. Sure. You know, Research statistical yeah. studies, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, if you work out physically, for, you know, four days a week more often than not, totally. you're in better shape, right? But it's it's getting into the Bible and engaging with it regularly that I think is really hard for people. And then when you when people jump into the text of Scripture, they read it and it's like it makes no sense. Right. They're confused by it. I mean, there's just we just have to be willing to recognize this is a book. Not it's it's written for us, but it's not written to us. Yeah. It's not written about us. It's, right. you know, there's another world out there. And it, that just is going to take, I mean, take a little effort. When I taught yeah. Acts again at the Bible college, I always had them, the students before, you know, between the first day of class and the second day of class, there was a day in between. So they had about two days to do this, read the whole book of Acts. And I had yep. three questions I'd have them answer. And one of them was, what would have really helped you understand what you were reading? Every year, most of the students would say, if I just knew where these places were. 
Yeah. I mean, if I just had exactly. a map that told me right. where to, that would have exactly. been in of itself, just a map. But it's like, so let's just be honest. We just, we just need that stuff, right? We need, yep. we need background. We need a little history. It's the book is written in history, you know, it's grounded in there. So, yeah. And it is a little more work. It's a little more work, but like you said, it, it brings it to life. It makes it more engaging. It makes it more exciting. We all of a sudden we're, we're reading something that's real and rooted in the real world. And then it has yeah. greater power to impact us, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's actually one of the things that uh, a couple of years ago we did is, you know, for you've been teaching the Bible for 20, 25 years plus. Um, I've been doing it for 15. And one of the questions, especially when I take people on these, you know, two week experiences to the Middle East was they would experience the text in context. But the question then we kept getting asked was, okay, I know context is everything. I know that maps are important. I understand but how do I do this? You know, I mean, it's, it's one thing to, to, to be moved by context to see why it changes um, your reading of the text. And, you know, sometimes it fundamentally changes it. Sometimes it just really enhances and deepens it. And so um, one of the things that, that uh, we did a couple of years ago at the launch of Walking the Text is that we created um, a free resource called the number one mistake most everyone makes reading the Bible. And it's just a short 30-page ebook that um, people can download at walkingthetext.com. But what it does is it starts off and it makes a case for context. So it helps us to see, you know, why we haven't read the Bible in context and what's been the experience for most people. And, uh, and then what we do is we offer a framework. So when people are going, okay, if context, if I need to read the text in context, how do I do that? And that framework has six different lenses that helps us to understand what those are. You know, so there's history, there's geography, there's cultural backgrounds, there's visual settings, there is literary design, and there is the linguistics, the language. And for each of those six lenses, we just do, um, you know, a paragraph that defines what's involved in that lens, um, offer up a few examples from the Bible so they can see how that lens is being played out um, and then give here are the four or five key questions you should be asking the bible when you're studying it in order to understand the context through this lens and then we offer typically anywhere from like three to five resources that are very accessible that people can purchase in order to grow in their understanding of that. And what we have found is that when anybody comes to walking the text, that's the first thing we want to give them is here, read this, Um, you know, understand what it is about context, because if this is something that makes sense to you, if this is something that um, you want to, to better understand the Bible, we want to give you a tool. We want to give you a framework that will help you do that effectively so that you're not just going, oh, okay, well, I know context matters, but just not having um, a, a clarified framework going forward in, in order to be able to do that well. Yeah. And that's yeah. so important, just the framework and the resources, the tools that are available. Yeah, because there's so, there's much so of many. And some you buy and some are free. Um, but man, we have more resources available to us today to help us to understand the Bible um, than ever before. And it's, yeah. it's really, really exciting. That's great. Well, that is part one of Brad and I's conversation about reading the Bible, grasping the Bible, digging deep into the Bible so that it can shape our life. We will tackle some more uh, specific questions, some questions that uh, 
Uh, some of our listeners have asked on social media about the Bible next week on the show, so be sure to tune in next week for the rest of our conversation. We'll dig into Leviticus and um, struggles with really understanding the text, making sure we're understanding it right, and just more specific questions next week. I so appreciate Brad, his heart, to bring the text to life and to teach the text. I pray this was encouraging to you. You can find Brad again at walkingthetext.com and learn more about his ministry. You can check out that resource he mentioned in this episode, a really helpful guide to reading the text well, and it gives other resources to help you understand it as well. I'll put the link to that down in the notes below. As always, thanks for tuning in to the Bible and Life podcast, and we will talk again next week.